Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. So what we'd like to do this morning is take a journey through Philippians. This short, short letter sent to a, a Roman colony in Philippi where lots of stuff had gone on to, to build a church, to grow the church. And we're going to spend four Sundays, God willing, in journeys into joy, of how we can see joy in the midst of trying times and in the midst of good times. It may have been that your last two years have been tough. In Scotland, it's been a pretty tough last two years. I'm sure it's been the same here. Can I get an amen? That's been not too bad. You've obviously had it easier than in Scotland. No, that's all. It's, it's been one of those where things have been relentless, haven't they? And I kind of, what now? Not this next. Oh my goodness, what, what's going to happen next? And so I, I got a sense that God was inviting us to spend some time in Philippians because despite everything Paul was going through when he wrote this letter, the word joy abounds throughout the letter. Joy in the midst of suffering. And that, for me, is the hope for this world. That Jesus is our joy, even in the midst of all that we face, we can have joy in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do this morning. But what I'd like to do, and I tend to do this when we start sermons every time, is just to start with a wee funny story, a wee, a wee way to laugh and just settle you in before I hit you with the hard stuff. So there's a story of three accountants and three engineers. They were going to a conference together and the three accountants were getting on the train and they bought three tickets. But the three engineers got on the train and only bought one ticket. And the accountants, of course, were thinking, well, this saves money. How, how are you going to do this? And the engineer said, just wait and see. So the engineers crammed into a restroom and the accountants watched. And as the train left the station, the conductor came through the car and he knocked on the restroom and he said, ticket, please. And the door opened a wee crack and a wee hand came out with the ticket. The conductor took it and walked away. And the accountants were amazed. They were like, oh, wow, that's brilliant. So when the conference finished, the three accountants and the three engineers go back on the train, and the accountants only bought one ticket, and the engineers bought no tickets. And the accountants were like, how on earth are you going to do this? What's happening? So the accountants jumped into one restroom. The engineers jumped into another restroom, and the train then left the station. One of the engineers sneaked out of his restroom, went over to the accountant's restroom where three of them were in there, knocked on the door and said, tickets please. <laughs> Paul in Philippians 4 verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Paul saying rejoice when he's in chains in prison for the gospel. 
He's enduring such hardships. He is, he doesn't know it yet, but he's awaiting execution. And yet he writes this letter and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he only says it not only once, he says it again. Again, I say rejoice. It might sound a bit trite if, if it was me saying this in my comfort, but it wasn't. It was Paul, a man who was filled with anxiety and trepidation. And yet throughout the letter of Philippians, we see a man whose life is filled with joy. And I think this is the good news that you and I need to hear today. What a message for us today in this hurting world. As we journey through this letter, as we look at this small book sent to a church in Philippi, my prayer is that we'll discover anew and afresh the joy that's found in the Lord, the joy that Paul found in the midst of such testing and trials, a joy that comes from a life lived for the Lord. So let, let's give you a little bit of background to the church in Philippi and to the city as well. So Philippi was a pretty important city. It straddled the Ignatian Way, which was a very popular, busy, great road that ran east to west. It was a cosmopolitan city made up of all sorts of nationalities, but there wasn't many Jews there. In the center of the city, there was a large forum, there was a library, there was fountains, there were mountain, there were monuments rather, there were public baths. And it became a Roman colony after Antony and Octavia defeated Brutus and Cassius near Philippi in 42 BC. I hope you're still with me. This gave the Philippians special rights as a colony of the Roman Empire. And they were filled with pride and with loyalty for that Roman Empire. Although they were far off, they were Roman citizens. Women enjoyed a high status in the city, in public life and business, and it's clear that they had a significant role to play in church as well. Paul founded the church around 50 AD on his second missionary journey. And from this letter, we see that the church was beginning to take its fair share of suffering. It was in danger of division because there were folks who were trying to pull them back to the old ways. But despite it all, you see Paul's love for this church and he was rejoicing as they were progressing. And Paul has several reasons for writing this letter. He wanted, to, uh, he wanted to explain and commend Epaphroditus, who he was sending back to them and why he was sending them back. He also wanted to thank the church for the gift of money that they had given to the Jerusalem church. He also wanted to reassure his friends of his condition. They knew he was in prison. They wa he wanted to reassure them that he was doing okay. And he wanted to encourage the church to keep going in the midst of trials and persecutions, to do it with joy. And the word joy is mentioned in various forms 16 times through this short letter. And it means a lot to Paul as he languishes in prison. So, we're going to dive into the book of Philippians, but we're not going to dive into the book of Philippians today. We're going to do that next week. What we want to do this morning 
is read from Acts chapter 16, where the church in Philippi is born. So we'll read from verse 6 of chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and her members of the household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house and she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She's witnessing for Paul and Silas. She's doing the job that they're there for. She's doing this and look what happens. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. When our owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they were severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully so when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they've just been severely flogged. Their feet are in stocks. They're in the middle of the prison. And verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came off. 
I don't know if you've ever seen any prison outbreak movie. They do exactly the opposite of what Paul, Silas, and the other prisoners do. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Amen. And thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word. And this is how the church in Philippi was born. There is a hymn that says these words, I sought the Lord and afterwards I knew he moved my soul to seek him. Seeking me I was not. I that found, O Saviour, true. No, I was found of you. Do you remember when you first encountered God? Was it you who were pursuing God or was it in fact God who'd been working in you, planting seeds, speaking through others, bringing you to him. Did God pursue you or did you pursue him? Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God is at work in you and is continuing to work through you. But also God is at work in those who are on your hearts. For those that you're loving and praying for daily, God is at work. God is not stopping. God does not take a vacation. This morning, my prayer is that we can discover the good work that God has begun not only in Philippi, but also in your life and how that changes everything we live for and how we can be filled with joy in all circumstances. To see how God begins a good work of salvation and then works together with us to help bring others into the kingdom of God. So we begin at verse 6 where we see that Paul was stopped from going where he had planned. He's stopped by the Holy Spirit. We don't know if that was a word of prophecy, if it was a clear voice speaking. It might have just been bad weather, but he was stopped from going where he thought they should be going. How many times have we thought we should be doing this for God and God has different plans? So although they didn't get into Asia, we know that the gospel still went to Asia because Pliny, 
the famous historian, about 60 years later, he wrote how he had to put in measures to persecute the Christians who were there. God has a plan for you. It might not be the plan that you think you should be doing for God, but God has a plan for you. So Paul arrives in Philippi, and there is no synagogue, which means there's not 10 Jewish men in that city. Otherwise, they would have formed a synagogue. However, whenever this was the case, those who were worshippers of God, God-fearers, as sometimes they were called, would gather by the river to pray. And so, when Paul goes to the river, he meets with the women who were in that place of prayer and the God-fearing Gentiles and, and, and the, the Jewish women who were there, and they would be praying together. And so Paul, as was always his way, went to meet with those who knew of God. And Lydia becomes the first follower of Jesus in Philippi, and the church is founded in her, church, in her house. I wonder what does this teach us of the methods that God may use to fulfill his purposes? Well, he'll use every opportunity. And sometimes he'll use your gifts, and sometimes he'll use your desires, and sometimes he'll use your experience, and sometimes your personality. Sometimes he'll use circumstances, and sometimes he will use all of them all together. The challenge for you and I is always to be ready, to be in that place where you have a posture to receive as Paul does. We need to have a listening ear. We need to have a bended knee. We need to have God's outlook and we need to trust God's will. God will use us if we are willing. The next encounter we have is with the girl who is possessed, who's a slave. Paul eventually gets fed up with her. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why Paul gets fed up with her because she is telling the truth. She's speaking the truth of why Paul is there. But, do you know, sometimes you just get in that place, don't you, where you just get fed up with someone who's constantly doing that. And he turns around and he sets her free. He sets her free in the name of Jesus. And then it all kicks off. He sets her free. And because her owner's just want the money that she's bringing in. They don't care about who she is. They don't care about the miracle they've just seen. All they care is about the money. And so it all kicks off. Sometimes our greed will get in the way of the purposes of God. We cannot serve both God and money. We will need to choose. And I know there have been times in my life where my attitude has stopped me fulfilling the purposes of God in my life. And it might just be the same for you, that your own desires, that your own need for comfort and peace stop you fulfilling God's purposes in your life. The challenge is to recognize when this happens and not to make the same mistake twice. So Paul frees the girl 
And for this amazing miracle, he's flogged and he's put in prison. They get a brutal beating. They're chained up in stocks and they're surrounded by other genuine prisoners. And what are their response? At midnight, they're praying and they're praising God. How can they sing in such circumstances? Could you sing in such circumstances? Could you pray in such circumstances? I don't know what you're going through today. Can you pray and praise this morning? But as they prayed, as they sung their hymns, everyone, the whole prison, were listening. There is something so freeing in being able to worship and pray in the midst of great trial. In the face of tragedy, to turn our eyes to heaven and to give thanks. It lifts us from all that would imprison us. I think we need to hear that afresh today. And then there is a violent earthquake. All the doors are open. The chains fall off. And yet no one leaves. One of my favorite favorite films is Shawshank Redemption. You know, that, 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 that bit where he goes through the pipe and all that stuff and he then gets out in the rain. He does anything to get out of that prison. But these prisoners are so captivated by Paul and Silas, they don't run. They stay and they're listening to the life that Paul and Silas are bringing. And the jailer, the jailer, unlike the governor of Shawshank, does not take his life. He hears Paul's cry that they're all still there. And the jailer and his household are saved. And again, did Paul get a nudge from the Holy Spirit? Did Paul get a word from God? Don't run. Don't go. Stay and see what I've got next. The Holy Spirit was at work. And sometimes in your life, you might struggle to see God at work in your life. You may not see it, or you may think you're not good enough, or you may not feel it, but His will will not be thwarted. He wants us to join in with what He is doing. He will use us if we're willing. It won't be God that misses out. God's purposes will not be thwarted. But if we choose not to, we will miss out on what he has planned for us. In this passage, we see such wonderful examples of how the Spirit of God releases the servants of God to meet the people who need God. Lydia, the slave girl, the jailer, they and all their households are set free and find life in all its fullness because God used an open and a willing Paul to bring them life. So what do we need to take from this this morning? Well, we need to be open. We need to be willing And we need to be ready for what God has for us. We need to be 
open to what Holy Spirit is going to do in our lives, where he's nudging us, where he's speaking. We need to let God's will be our will, even when things seem hopeless. And we need to trust God, for he has such good gifts for each one of us. He works all things together for good. And when you see the harvest is vast, you can despair and think, how on earth can I do anything? But you're not called to do everything, but you are called to do something. That something that God has placed in your heart. That which God has called you to do. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Listen and hear what God wants you to do. The God who pursues you will not let you go. He stands at the door and he knocks and is waiting for you to open the door. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So folks, let him continue to work in you as he worked in the life of Paul and Silas, as he worked in the life of Lydia and the slave girl and the jailer, and they were changed forever. Let him work through you, and with his help, you will change the... Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. So let us go forth from this place. Let us love the Lord and serve the people and serve the Lord and love the people. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us for this day and forevermore.